Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, it's all about the pass catchers, specifically the wide receivers. Two brand new additions plus year two for DeAndre Hopkins. Also, some very big years ahead for Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, and Keyshawn Johnson. First, though, the latest on Larry Fitzgerald, the broadcaster. That's right, you heard correctly. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 437, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So Fitz has kept a low profile since the season ended. Would you agree? I mean, he's I mean, he's kind of been out there. He's been seen, but at least he hasn't spoken. Unless it's about golf and golf podcasts. That's the only time we've actually heard from Mr. Larry Fitzgerald. Well, it's not like he went in the mountains and we haven't seen him. I mean, he's been around. It's just he hasn't made a decision. True. and But he is showing up on these golf podcasts. Well, now Fitz is going full-blown golf commentator. Turner Sports announced that Fitz will be part of the broadcast team for the match, which we've all seen. Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady up against Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers. Charles Barkley is also going to be a part of the broadcast team. So once again, we wonder, is this the opportunity that Fitz has been waiting for next Tuesday, July 6th, that we get an announcement from one Larry Fitzgerald? Or, as he's been consistent all season or off-season long, just talking golf. And what did Cliff tell us at the end of the season? I didn't think we'd get to this point. He's going to take some time. Yeah, a long time. As we are sitting here on July 1st, training camp is now less than a month away, and we still don't know about one Larry Fitzgerald. Okay, so that's going to be in Detroit, and one of his sponsors, I believe that's the reason why. And then he uh, he's accepting an invitation to Lake Tahoe. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be there, and, and I don't know if Brady's playing um, in Tahoe. But anyways, so on Tuesday, the 6th, they'll be in Detroit, and then they'll have to fly to Tahoe. That tournament officially starts on the 6th, but it ends on the 11th. And Carson Palmer's scheduled to be there. Um, the list is online, so I don't think we're going to get any announcement. And we've said this a couple of times, as long as the Suns are still playing, we won't get any announcement, just me connecting dots. He will not trump the Phoenix Suns. Golf and Phoenix Suns is what is occupying Larry Fitzgerald's time right now. And props to the Phoenix Suns, by the way, for advancing for just the third time in franchise history to the NBA Finals. A lot of Cardinal players online, Kyler Murray, J.J. Watt, Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins, all sending their props. Chase Edmonds as well. The Arizona Cardinals congratulating. And, of course, this is something that we've talked about throughout this entire run, the synergy between all these professionals professional teams and the athletes supporting each other how many different athletes or how many different cardinal players have we seen sitting courtside during suns games so i do think you're correct as long as the suns are alive there will be no announcement from larry fitzgerald and there is a belief that maybe we don't get anything from fitz that he just kind of quietly disappears though that is going to be a little bit hard, especially when you do have to, I believe, officially file paperwork to announce your retirement for that clock to start ticking to be eligible for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, quickly here. Now, Al McCoy, he's announced the last two finals? All three. All three? Yes. He was there in 76, broadcasting from the Boston Garden. Wow. So, yeah, he, I believe he is the only one currently employed by the Phoenix Suns that can say he was a part of all three now finals appearances. I'm, I'm so happy for him. Happy for a lot of people over there. You covered the Suns for a long, long time, and I, I saw your tweet. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people that obviously you know was have been there and they were there for the dog days of summer and seasons. But, uh, it's again, it just brings a community together. And uh, hopefully it can continue. But uh, they they are fun to watch. They're very likable. 
and I think he used the right word, synergy in the Valley of the Sun. Year one for Larry Fitzgerald as a minority owner slash investor with the Phoenix Suns, and what happens? They advance to the NBA Finals. So, <laughs> as we've said before, you know, whatever Larry Fitzgerald touches puts his name attached to, uh, it's seemingly gold. So, uh, uh, you know, we just need him to get here and join us on Cardinals Cover 2 and just add his stamp of approval on this show, and we can go gold as well. Yeah, I texted Larry. I said, you're four games away from uh, winning a championship, you know, as a minority owner. He said, quote, so happy, man, unquote. (laughs) Well, we are happy as well. And by the way, Bird Gang, that is the Larry Fitzgerald portion of this wide receiver broadcast, (laughs) and we will continue now talking about those players that we know for a fact that will be in a Cardinals uniform and at training camp coming up in just a few weeks. But when we look at the wide receiver position, MJ, here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, I think, at least for me, and I want to get your opinion, but the position group that may, that might be in need of the most improvements over last season, just when you look at what DeAndre Hopkins did, literally head and shoulders above everyone else, you would just like to see a little bit more balance. And it was the one position that had a coaching change in the offseason. Sean Jefferson joined the Cardinals after spending the past two seasons in the same capacity with the Jets. He's also coached receivers for the Dolphins, Titans, and Lions. He is now on board and I think well I believe the Cardinals hope that not only does this elevate D-Hop but also maybe unlock some of that talents that we kind of have not seen but just in flashes of a Christian Kirk Andy Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson I think it was imperative um, you know they've had Jerry Sullivan he's more consultant more on technique uh, but you have to let the position coach coach his position and David Rye was that guy last year but I think they want to hire a former player that played the game. His son is in the league. And the fact that Sean Jefferson... His son is in the division playing for the Rams, Van Jefferson. Correct. And the fact that, you know, D-Hop was here um, and, you know, just the open portion of practice, they were having conversations. And so I think it's important that they got a former player that can look somebody in the eye and say, yes, you are one of the top receivers in football. But also you need to put the work in it. I'm not questioning the work ethic. It's more about being on the practice field, timing with the quarterback, you know, just being around your teammates. So I give Hop credit, but I think it really starts with Sean Jefferson. And I really think that they wanted a former player to relate to to these other players. And, you know, Kyler Murray, once he said, I'm good with the weapons we have, you know, that, that tells me that he's on board with what they have. And, you know, the addition of Rondo Moore, you know, we know that he's close to Christian Kirk. And, you know, if Kirk's open, he's going to throw it to him. And then you, you look at A.J. Green, and Kyler spoke highly of him, or people are, you know, kind of sleeping on him. So when the quarterback says he's good, and, and again, you're always trying to replace the last guy, but he feels comfortable they can go into season and put up numbers with this offense. So once they say that, I mean, it's hard to say, well, I need to see it first. We know what these guys can do at least what they've done in their careers. And you look at, I think, when you talk about the weapons, it's not just the wide receivers, but the tight ends, the running backs as well. And Kyler Murray is certainly happy. And once again, you want to keep that quarterback happy because as we've seen throughout not only the division, but throughout the entire NFL, when you don't have a happy quarterback, well, then, you know, it's just, it's it's a very uncomfortable situation. But going back to Coach Jefferson, 13 seasons he played in the league, 29 touchdown catches. So he's been there, he's done that. And then when we were introduced to him during his introductory press conference back in February, he mentioned that you know he's not afraid to get in and quote-unquote get dirty, if you will, as far as participating in drills and actually really showing as opposed to telling. And we did get a glimpse of that during OTAs and minicamp. Sean Jefferson's voice was one of the many voices that you could hear out on the field. And then, true to his word, as far as getting involved with what was going on, whether that was just simple footwork or, you know, dipping the shoulder or with his arms outstretched. So, as, you know, we've been told, as he said, you know, I will be involved. And it certainly sounds like he's jumping in with both feet. Uh, I just remember when uh, Rondell Moore came to the sidelines and he told me, you're not on scholarship anymore. <laughs> Welcome to the NFL. No, but he's running the drills. I mean, 
whether it's throwing the football or he'll have the uh, the bag where you got to get off press, and you're right, they want you to you drop your left shoulder so you can get around the DB. But he's running the drills, and and again, Jerry Sullivan's in. You know, he's observing, and if he sees something, he'll interfere. He'll uh, have input. But again, this is his group, and. I mean, kind of night and day from a year ago, just going into the season, we were hoping Isabella and Kirk and Larry and Keyshawn Johnson, um, you know, they they brought in some other wide receivers, veterans, but they didn't make the team. But on paper, it's night and day from a year ago. It certainly is an upgrade. And if you look at the numbers from last season, and a lot of it is skewed because of what D-Hop did, but overall – the Cardinals and their pass catchers averaged 10.6 yards per catch. Six teams had worst averages, only six teams. So that 10.6 ranked 25th. They averaged 24 catches per game. That was tied for the 12th most. So this team is throwing the football. They're just not gaining a lot of yards when they throw it downfield. And you wonder, is all right, is that just the way this offense is? Or is there more to it, thus the coaching change and the need to get an A.J. Green and draft Rondell Moore? And that is, you know, do you want to see better route running, better get off at the line of scrimmage? What about what you do after you catch the football? How many yards after catch are you getting? But 10.6, yeah, that's that's a first down. But I think with this offense, and if we are going to see some more four and maybe even five wide, I would think that that number needs to be higher in order to be successful as an offense in this day and age in the National Football League. I couldn't agree more. And, and again, just on paper, the top four receivers, you know, we know Hobbs going to get his targets. He's going to get his catches. And, you know, I think he probably has a goal to get more than six touchdowns. But as long as he's being targeted, you know, at least nine or ten times a game, I think you're going to see Kyler Murray try to, you know, spread the ball around a little bit. But if he's open – Clearly, he's your number one receiver. Oh, and we saw that out of the gate week one against the 49ers. What was it, 14 catches, 16 targets, and the 49ers didn't change. They allowed it. But a lot of it was you know, the screen pass or two or three, four, five yards, and that was it. And that's fine, but and at some point, you need to vary it up a little bit. And otherwise, I think we did see that. Teams started moving in, and all of a sudden, that's where you get that 10 yards per catch as opposed to maybe you know, 18, 19, 20 yards per catch. Yeah, they were throwing that bubble screen. And early in the season, he was breaking those ankle tackles, running down the sidelines. And then teams started to push, use the sidelines as an extra defender. And he wasn't able to get the yards after catch. And then, you know, when Kyler Murray was kind of being mushed in the pocket where they're going to stay in the pocket – they started moving hop around. I think, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure we're not going to see a lot in the preseason, but we can get an idea in the first month of the season. Because normally your X receiver does line up on the left side, and they're looking for man-to-man coverage, and is the safety going to cheat over? Or is he going to have over-the-top help? But I think moving them around will open up some um, other opportunities for other players, whether it's a tight end or running back coming out of the backfield or some of these other receivers. I want to get more into that and specifically kind of talk about what the Cardinals have on the roster when it comes to the wide receiver position. But we do need to let you know, Bird Gang, that Episode 3 of the Emmy Award-winning Cardinals flight plan is available July 1st. Episode 3 titled Winning Recipe on YouTube.com slash Cardinals. Again, more about what's going on in the offseason. Kyler Murray talking about his wide receivers. Cliff Kingsbury talking about A.J. Green. Also an update on Dennis Gardeck and his rehab. And then the third annual offensive line cook-off, which I'm really looking forward to to figure out exactly when that happened and how we can secure an invitation for the fourth annual O-line cook-off maybe next year. But you can watch all the Cardinals Flight Plan episodes on the Cardinals official YouTube channel, youtube.com slash AZ Cardinals. All right, when you look at the wide receiver room, number one, obviously DeAndre Hopkins, and I think he had, numbers-wise, a great first season in Arizona. Second-team All-Pro, tied for second in the league in receptions, third in receiving yards, had seven 100-receiving-yard games. That was tied for second. 
and he was targeted 160 times. So there is a lot to like if you're DeAndre Hopkins with respect to those numbers. But we did hear from him in the offseason, MJ, that asked about goals, and he said, I don't pay attention to numbers. I want to win on Sundays. And I do believe that's true. Yet at the same time, he's no different than any other number one ride receiver out there. You want your targets. You want your touches. And I think... Kyler Murray certainly satisfied D-Hop last year with the number of times that those two were able to connect. And also, as you pointed out on our show sheet here in prep, 75 first downs. I mean, that's that's getting it done from the outside. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm nitpicking here. You like to see some more touchdowns, and when they get in the red zone, you know, maybe they're going to run the ball a little bit more. Maybe they're going to utilize, you know, Rondell Moore where he's, you know, fleet of foot and he can get in the end zone but um, again I'm nitpicking but I'd like to see him get some more touchdowns and the fact that he had the same amount of touchdowns as Christian Kirk should tell you something. The six touchdowns ranked 29th which does not sound great yet when you talk about wide receivers and you kind of look at some of the numbers across the league Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs those other number one wide receivers out there Adams had 18 touchdowns Tyreek Hill 15 but Stephon Diggs only had eight and that was on a Buffalo Bills playoff team and then the yards per catch that Hopkins had that ranked 54th 12.2 well, Tyreek Hill was 14.7. So what we're getting at is is sometimes when you look at the rankings and the lower the number, well, that's not great. Well, compare it to the other number one wide receivers out there, and Hopkins is right there amongst the best when it comes to touchdowns, catches, receiving yards, when you talk about a per-game basis. But I agree with you on that point. I do would like to see number 10 in the end zone a lot more than just six times. Yeah, and and we could look at it. I mean, if you're Buffalo, you got Cole Beasley, you had John Brown, so that's going to take away some of those targets. I mean, no Josh Allen had rushing touchdowns. Uh, Kyler Murray had, what, 11 touchdowns rushing, so you're going to take away some of those opportunities. And, you know, you look in uh, Green Bay, clearly he's the number one wide receiver there, then there's a little bit of drop-off, but Aaron Rodgers does a good job trying to spread the ball around, but Clearly, he's going to go to, and then Tyreek Hill. I mean, they got weapons all over the place. Travis Kelsey's probably. If we just looked at receptions and yards and touchdowns, Travis Kelsey would be high, uh, and he's done it over you know three year period. So, I just don't think the Cardinals had the receivers last year that would that would take pressure off of Hopkins, where maybe he gets some more one on one options at the twenty yard line, and he would get more touchdowns. So it's a little bit. I, 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 I like the numbers. It shows you where he ranks amongst all the other players at that, that position. But I do think some of those other teams had more wide receivers and more targets and more opportunities. And I do think that was part of the reason and maybe the main reason why all of a sudden A.J. Green is now in a Cardinals uniform and the fact that you have perhaps for the first time since Cliff Kingsbury arrived and Kyler Murray has been the quarterback – a true number two wide receiver. And that's nothing against Larry Fitzgerald. That's nothing against Christian Kirk. But Fitz, when he was number two to Hopkins that one season, I don't think it was the Larry Fitzgerald that we've all come to know and love, that all pro, that pro bowler. And then Christian Kirk, I just don't think he's quite elevated to number two status. But if you have D-Hop on one side and A.J. Green on the other side, defenses have to account for that. They have to react to that. Can you double-team Hop? Can you double team Green? I don't think so, especially if you got someone inside, whether that's Kirk or Rondell Moore, that you have to defend as well because you're worried about them getting off. Now, I'm looking at Mike Clay, and we got a chance to talk to him at the NFL Combine a couple years ago, and he puts out his projections for all 31 teams or 32 teams. So let me give you an idea what he's projecting. Based on these guys playing, he's got AJ playing 15 games. It lists a lot of guys with 16 games, but we know they're playing 17. So he's got Hopkins, 162 targets, 113 catches for 1,372 yards, seven touchdowns. Okay? A.J. Green, 92 targets, 52 receptions, 642 yards, five touchdowns. Rondell Moore, 50 catches, close to 600 yards, three touchdowns. Christian Kirk, 33 catches, 413 yards, three touchdowns, and not a whole lot for uh, Keyshawn Johnson and the Isabella. He's got the tight ends targeted um, with Max Williams, 14, 
Darrell Daniels, 17. So basically, he's got the Cardinals with, uh, you know, 41 receptions from the tight end position. And I think that's about normal, depending on how much we see 11 and 12 personnel, how many times we see those two tight ends on the field, and how many times, you know, Kyler Murray decides to throw to a tight end open down the field. But I am fascinated to see how it's going to work with Hopkins and Green, because for the first time in Green's career, after 10 seasons with the Cincinnati Bengals, about being the guy. He is no longer a team's number one option, and I think that's refreshing for him. Quotes, I've never played with a guy like D-Hop. We don't have egos. He was telling me, if you want to run a route and I'm at the position, just let me know. When you have a guy like that, two guys like that in a room, it's going to be unbelievable. We feed off each other. End quote. And that was a conversation Green had with our own Lisa Matthews on the fly, which you can catch on the Cardinals official YouTube channel, youtube.com slash azcardinals. But the fact that you have a veteran in A.J. Green and a veteran in D. Hop, but Hopkins has already said, look, I watched A.J. Green and that's someone that I looked up to, tried to emulate. So, yes, I'm the number one wide receiver, but I might defer to A.J. Green given his experience, his status. And then you hear Green saying, you know what, I think we can both work together for the benefits of the team, and that you want to hear. Now, whether we see it, I think a lot of it's going to just depend on wins and losses because when things aren't going well, then that's when things kind of get a little clumsy, if you will, a little hectic, uh, maybe a little loud as far as some of the uh, actions or words from players as far as how they fit within a system. But if you can have Hopkins and Green be those 1 and 1, 1A, 1B kind of a situation, I think that's going to open up this offense tremendously. I would agree. I, I would say 1 and 2 because um, I, I still think we need to see more from A.J. Green now. Clearly, he went through three different quarterbacks last year. You could see towards the end of the season, he was frustrated on some of the routes because the ball wasn't there. So just like J.J. Watt, I think he's ready to hit that reset button. And he, you know, if he plays well, I would assume you're going to try to extend him. It doesn't force you to go out and get a big-time free agent in the offseason. And then the Cardinals have drafted wide receivers over the last couple of years, so maybe you can solidify the position. But, yeah, everything you see. I got a chance to talk to Roy Green yesterday. Um, it was actually his birthday, so happy birthday to the Ring of Honor Roy Green, great Cardinal uh, alum. And he told me he used to work out with A.J. Green and Julio Jones um, in Arizona uh, You know when Roy was working out receivers. And he, I said, long strider? He said, yes. I said, I saw the back shoulder fade? He said, yes. He said, one of the other things you don't realize, he can, he can, he can, if he gets that 50-50 ball, he could take off to the races. And he said he's very... Um, good at at the like Larry catching the ball at its highest peak coming down with it and he said he's got strong hands so those are things that Roy obviously was able to see when he was working them out six foot four is what AJ Green is listed in and I get it you know he's in his early 30s and he'll actually turn uh, I believe it's 33 at the end of this month and that's something not to be concerned with. He did play all 16 games last season, but much like all the other players that the Cardinals have signed this offseason in their early 30s, there's been an injury history, a pass in which you've missed a number of games. So, But you've always talked about you're playing on grass, you're playing in uh, hot weather, which is good for the joints, and then you're practicing indoors. All that plays a factor in how you feel and how you perform on Sunday. So I do think... If A.J. Green can rediscover himself a little bit, we talked about it with all these other players and A.J., uh, excuse me, at J.J. Watt, um, that all of a sudden maybe you have something that you didn't expect. And to hear the projection of, you know, 90-plus targets for A.J. Green, I think that does speak not only to what Green is capable of, but also speak to what people expect this offense to be as well. Yeah, and personality-wise, I mean, I haven't met Hop just because we haven't been in the locker room. We've talked to him on Zoom calls and everything else, but um, I don't think Green's going to be demanding the ball. Not that Hop is, but you know when you you give a guy that kind of extension, he's going to get his targets. And to me, Green is not a selfish guy, according to Roy. He said he's a really good person off the field, and if he can help some of the younger guys, he will. And we heard Kyler Murray talk about A.J. Green, quotes, I know a lot of people are asleep on him, end quotes. And Murray went on to say that he expected a big year 
out of A.J. Green. So I do think that there is confidence in obviously his ability to maintain what he has done throughout his career and maybe even do a little bit better as far as being more efficient because there's not going to be a lot of attention on him as that number two wide receiver on the other side. Because if you're a safety, you've got to make a choice. Is it D-Hop or is it A.J. Green? Or do I have to slide towards the middle because I'm worried about a Kirk or a Rondell Moore or maybe Chase Edmonds out of the backfield? All of those play a factor here and we did see a lot of safety help over the top, especially on Hopkins' side. I wonder just how much that will happen this year. Well, we know Christian Kirk, um, you know, he's got a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he hears the doubters, um, but he's got to go out there and play and show what he's worth. He is a free agent, but, you know, these receivers also have to block because if they're going to run the football, they get a bit of block. But if you got green and hop on opposite sides, and, and listen, Christian Kirk, we know what he can do, so he just needs to stay healthy and, you know, obviously use it as motivation. But if you have Rondell Moore on the field and he's in the slot and you can do so many different things, that should open up things on the outside. The reason why I mentioned Moore is just because of the speed and how fluid he can be in the open field. And he's one guy that should get yards after catch, and I think he's going to get his feet wet and get more comfortable when he's returning kicks or punts, and I anticipate he'll be the guy, and we'll see who the backups are. Well, a notes on Rondell Moore. Again, as we talk about just some of the new pieces in that wide receivers room, Cynthia Freeland, the NFL Network's analytics expert, predicted Moore to be the seventh most productive rookie wide receiver. But it's what she wrote that you just referenced. Quote, Moore maintained his speed after contact on inside routes at the highest rates of any receiver in the FBS end of sentence and that means that you're catching the ball you make that first tackler miss and you're still going full speed it doesn't that hit doesn't slow you down you elude a tackle and then all of a sudden you're off to the races well you're already at full speed so if that is possible this season more times than not in open space where the open is available because Hopkins is occupying time on one side and Green on the other then perhaps we do see AJ Green or excuse me Rondell Moore Maybe not with a lot of numbers, but when he is out there, he is very productive, and he is something or someone that defenders and defenses are going to have to pay attention to. Well, and we got a chance to see him. He wears number 85. He's 5'7", but he's got a lower, thick torso. So it's going to be hard if you're one of those linebackers to try to tackle him up top. And then you get some of those DBs that obviously will try to tack you, tackle him with his legs, but he has the ability to break some of those tackles. Again, 5'7", but he's built. I mean, his lower torso is thick and his calves are thick, and that's where I think the explosion comes from. He fills out that uniform. The second-round draft pick out of Purdue, 20 career games, averaged almost nine catches and 96 yards a game at Purdue, and now – you do have an option at that slot corner or if you're going to run four wide. And I know you've been a big proponent of talking about how many snaps we'll see with four wide receivers out on the field with either Moore on one side and Kirk on the other as far as the slot receivers are concerned. Yeah, I, I still think you know 11 personnel is three wide, one tight, one back. I think that's, that's almost 70% of the league. You know, Some teams will use double tight ends. I anticipate the Patriots. And then 12 personnel – they're running at about 30%, and then 10 personnel about 22%. So, yeah, I think it's an option. I know Kingsbury's got to be licking his chops. When you, when we get a chance to walk by his office, he's always watching film, and I'm sure he's trying to figure out, okay, we want to be a physical team at the point of attack. We want to run the ball to set up the play action. But if they can – and I have no problem going four wide if you're trying to get into field goal range at the first half or you feel like they don't have enough corners to cover you. But I don't want it to be the base offense. Well, the Cardinals last year ran 10 personnel 20% of the time, according to Next Gen Stats. That was number one by far. The next closest, the Buffalo Bills at just over 14%. But why people believe that that number might be the same or maybe even a little higher is because of the addition of an A.J. Green and Rondell Moore, that you have the talents in that wide receiver room to put four receivers out there, not because it's the offense that you know and love if you're head coach Cliff Kingsbury. It's because you have the guys on the football field to execute what you want to do. And I don't know if he had that in year one and year two. Well, the one thing we learned from the first year, and 
give Cliff credit because he made some adjustments after the first month of the season. Is is yet when you go four wide, usually Murray's in the gun, and you may have a running back next to him because you got to protect. It's protecting the edges, and when you go back to maybe uh, mid season, when he, he maybe it was maybe towards the uh, third part of the season when they were running that mush rush, they were keeping him in the pocket. So my only concern is if you want to go four wide, and we know Kyler can get rid of the ball quick. We know that Rondell Moore can take it off to the races. Um, again, I think you, it's, there's a time and a place for it. I just don't want it to become their, their number one offense, and I don't think it will be, actually. You don't want them to rely on it to move the ball up and down the field because you do have to have some semblance of a run game to keep that defense honest. Well, you got to protect Kyler Murray. Again, you can run out of that. You know, If you had a running back back there, like a Chase Edmonds, where everyone thinks they're going to throw it because it's four wide, goes right up the middle. We know how effective he's been when he runs up the middle. I mean, we're talking three or four touchdowns or over 20 yards, and I want the one, most recent one I think was 29 yards. We're talking Cardinals wide receivers here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. The season right around the corner. Single game tickets available. You can go to azcardinals.com slash game ticks. That's azcardinals.com slash game T-I-X. Also, there are some Protect the Nest ticket plans available. A red plan, a white plan. Each plan includes four games, including prominent primetime matchups this season at State Farm Stadium. You can go to azcardinals.com slash tickets for more information or by calling the Cardinals ticket sales office at 602-379-0102. All right, let's get into the three receivers that I think a spotlight is going to be on. We've kind of touched a little bit on Christian Kirk, but when you look at Kirk, Isabella, and Johnson, make or break seasons, is that too over the top? Is that too dramatic to say about those three with respects to their futures with the Arizona Cardinals? Let's start off with uh, Keyshawn Johnson. To me, I think he's number five. Um, I, they could keep six, um, likely dress five on game day because you know usually that third, fourth, fifth wide receiver is playing on special teams. So he, to me, he'd be your backup when it comes to A.J. Green, and hopefully A.J. Green can stay healthy. So I, I, I think right now, I, I think on paper, I think he has the upper – Andy Isabella, I don't know if he's going to make the roster. I mean, he could he's practice squad eligible, I guess. Everyone is. Um, but I think he's on the outside looking in. Now, he has a second-round pick. Um, that means you sub him to the waiver wire, and there's only – you know, does he go somewhere else, change the scenery? I don't know. But right now, I would say – He's number six, but then, you know, guys like A.J. Richardson and JoJo Ward, they've been around for a while, and JoJo Ward's more of a speed guy. He's under undersized. A.J. Richardson, not comparing, but he's got a body like Anquan Bolden. So, And, again, you can slide these guys. But I think Keyshawn Johnson right now, uh, because of his size, and he's got to learn to come back and get the football, and I think Sean Jefferson – will obviously help there. I, I think he would be your fifth receiver as of today. No one has said anything, but it's the actions that we have seen that would lead us to believe that Andy Isabella may or may not be on this team this season, even though he's entering year three. One was how last season ended. He was inactive for three of the last four games, and the only reason he played that one game was because Larry Fitzgerald was out with COVID-19 and Christian Kirk missed a game as well and then the drafting of Rondell Moore which let's go back to 2019 we heard some of the same things about Andy Isabella as we did about Rondell Moore same size same talent same skill level the one difference is I think Rondell Moore is built a little bit more he's a little bit stronger as far as can he withstand some of the rigors of the NFL which you noted earlier in today's show but I do think that those two things the end of last season when you're not active and then they draft someone that plays your position and if you line them up they're pretty similar as far as size and numbers of what they did at their respective schools all of a sudden if you're Andy Isabella you gotta be looking in the mirror saying I need to do something and I need to do something fast well I also think we got to give Sean Jefferson some time with him because he's going to play in the preseason what you know at, at whether it's the second or third game I mean we don't know how much a starter is going to play. Um, they're not hiding anything this year. But listen, 
when I watch Rondell Moore catch the ball, it's it's night and day for Andy Isabella. First of all, Isabella used to catch the ball with his chest. Last year, David Wright told us um, he was doing a much better job locating the ball, catching it with his hands and bringing it in. Um, route running, it's not even close. And and again, this is all in shorts and, and helmets. Um, they're not have they don't have pads on. You know, the reason why Isabella was drafted high is because of his speed. And then they try to find a role for him on special teams. And if maybe if they had better blocking, because if he, it's all he needed to do was hit hit a hole, we've seen the speed on some of the deep balls. But you gotta you gotta have more than just you know one trick pony. If they can't trust you to catch the ball, they're not going to throw it to you. And that's the key right there, as far as catching the ball, whether that's a pass or whether that's a punt or a kickoff, because we saw too many times that ball hitting the chest first. It's got to hit the hands. It's it can never get to the chest until you secure the football. And too many times, not that it was bouncing off of him, but he just didn't look comfortable, didn't look confident at times, and neither he or Johnson have really flashed on a consistent basis. And I remember that 2019 draft class talking about Isabella, Hakeem Butler, and Keyshawn Johnson, you know, three wide receivers that you hope that, you know, one, maybe two would be able to make it. And Butler was only able to make it past one season before he was released and we never really even saw him because he spent that first year on injured reserve. So there was a lot to like about those three draft picks, we just never saw it on the football field. And going back to draft night um, or draft weekend, I mean, one of the things that Steve Kimes said about Keyshawn Johnson, one of the better route runners, and then we got a chance to see that. I think in the first month of the season he was getting four or five catches a game, uh, but all of a sudden it, it tailed down because he wasn't coming back for the ball. He was trying to catch it with his, with his chest. And in fairness to these receivers, if somebody's draped on you, yeah, you got to body catch it. But the idea is to come back for the ball, catch it in your hands, and try to turn up field. And that's something I think we'll see from A.J. Green just based on experience. So uh, I'm not ready to give up on Keyshawn, but we know it's a numbers game. But I, I think right now they're kind of looking if so, if something happens to A.J. Green, not again. We'll see what kind of camp he has. We'll see, you know – how he's taking uh, adjusting to the new coach and uh, Sean Jefferson. So, but I, I think if something happens to Green, yes, there's going to be a little bit of drop off. But at least he's been in the offense for a couple of years. The third receiver, Christian Kirk here, and this is the final year of his rookie contract. So, as he said and told to Kyle Odegaard in an article on AZCardinals.com, quote. I feel like there is a lot I want to prove to myself, and there is a lot I want to prove to the league. End quotes. We've seen Christian Kirk be very, very good at times. Last year, his numbers overall had the second most targets, second most receiving yards. But when you look at what Hopkins was able to do as far as targets and yards, that was way too much of a gap for me. Way too lopsided between the number one wide receiver and number two wide receiver. And credit to Kyle as well on this, Mark, because he actually went and looked it up. But Hopkins had 786 more receiving yards than Kirk. That was the widest gap between a number one wide receiver and a number two wide receiver in the league. You're talking about almost 800 yards and that's, you know, again, Hopkins is going to get his numbers. It just, it's just got to be a little bit more balanced to where Kyler Murray can only, it doesn't have to just leak at one side of the field or one guy because there was that connection, that chemistry between Murray and DeHop. It's got to be spread out a little bit more. And I think, you know, even if they go 11 personnel, which is their heavy personnel, they have a log jam, it seems like, at slot receiver, and regardless of what happens with Larry. Um, so they could rotate Kirk and, and and Rondell Moore, but when you want to go four wide, those two, as you pointed out correctly, is they'll be in the slot and then A.J. Green will be on the outside. So uh, I think they're going to find ways, but you got to make a decision down in distance. Who Who's the slot corner? Who are the outside corners? Because I think you would rotate – him and Kirk, and then ride the hot hand. And we know on paper, 
Um, just what we saw, and we watched film, um, at least highlights at Purdue in 2018, he's a little more fluid in the open field. On Christian Kirk, I know you know he was able to play some outside receiver as well, but you're pretty confident or dead set that he, if he's going to be successful in this league, even if it's a number two wide receiver, that he's more successful as a slot receiver than an outside receiver. Correct. Yeah, no doubt. And, and again, you can move him around – but I just think when you have that kind of size, to me, you can get open and the little slant pass, slant pass or a little bit of quick out, he's capable of doing that. We've seen him take the top off the defense, but they really didn't have another receiver to help complement him on the other side. It's the consistency that I think we're waiting to see out of Christian Kirk because you go back to last year and he had a six or he had a five game stretch, weeks four through nine in which he had all six of his touchdowns and had 20 catches for 343 yards. That was over five games. The other nine games, he had a total of 28 catches for 278 yards, and seven of those catches and 76 of those yards came in Week 16 against the 49ers. So a little bit of a roller coaster up and down for Christian Kirk. There's no question he has the talent. It's making sure that we see it on a weekly basis, and I don't think there were times where he disappeared a little bit. Now, was that him? Was that the offense? Was that opposing defenses? I just would like to see Christian Kirk. Now, again, I don't know what's going to happen now because instead of being that second receiver, you might be that third receiver with A.J. Green in the mix. But just a little bit when we're looking at the numbers each and every week that all of a sudden it's not four targets for one catch for 10 yards. There's a little bit more involvement of Christian Kirk in this offense. Yeah, I'm going back to to Mike Clay's thing, and he's got him as the third uh, targeted wide receiver, very similar to numbers of Rondell Moore. So, like I said, I, I'm I'm curious to see if they go three wide, who's getting the majority of the reps? Because I think both are capable. Clearly, Kirk's been in the system. Kyler Murray does trust him. Kyler Murray's you know looks at Rondell Moore, and he knows he's a weapon. So, um, it's a good dilemma to have, but. You know, after the top four, there is a drop-off. Yeah, and certainly Christian Kirk is aware of his situation and recently on Good Morning Football was talking about not only his situation, which he addressed with Kyle Littergaard, we talked about. Again, that article is up on azcardinals.com, but Kirk with some interesting comments with respects to how not just the wide receivers, but the entire team is looking at 2021. Quote, I think it's now or never for us, and that's the attitude in the locker room, end quote. Now, that quote, that soundbite's been picked up, and you're seeing it on different websites, but I'll argue this, MJ. What team, what player doesn't think that every single year you go into a new season? Even if you're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, you're if you're a player, you're not thinking, oh, well, this is a two-year process, this is a three-year process. I'm so, I I don't have that mindset. Even if I am a rookie and, and I'm looking at the bigger picture, fans and media and coaches and front office, yeah, you can take a step back, but it is now or never for, I think, every player, every team. You have to think that. And I think we're kind of parsing words when we just take that quote and say, you know, you put that on the bulletin board and, oh, it's all in for the Arizona Cardinals. It, that, that's always has what it has to be. The thing is, though, I think based on five wins, eight wins, and then bringing in J.J. Watt, making the trade for Rodney Hudson, bringing in A.J. Green, you know, bringing in Malcolm Butler, who's got credibility, I think they they feel something. They they feel the chemistry and the energy. So, I mean, I trust him. He's in the locker room. But to say they're going all in, that's not true. And, you know, obviously it's going to come down to Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury this year. I mean, we know Kyler's made strides, and, and Cliff, I thought he made strides last year, but, you know, he's got to show that he's an innovative play caller and, and stick with to what works and don't try to get cute, and I think he knows all that stuff. But I think what they did in the offseason gives them optimism. Now, in Jacksonville, it's a little bit different because they got a new head coach. He's on a six-year deal. you got a rookie quarterback, and they got a ton of cap space, but, you know, how many games are they going to win? But for the most part, I think what the Cardinals did this offseason gave this team a lift in the locker room and a lot of optimism because, let's be honest, this team showed the front office put together a 10-win team last year, and it, it, it failed. They went 8-8. Eight and eight. So 
I think that's a good sign that that's what they're thinking because they they go to work with these guys every single day during the offseason and the season, and they must feel like the moves they made can put them in conversation to compete in the NFC West. More from Kirk on Good Morning Football. Quote, we finally feel like we have all the pieces to put it together and really make a push for the playoffs and for a championship. I know guys in the locker room aren't expecting anything less than that. We know what opportunity we have have we have at hand, and we know we have to be better. But since Coach Kingsbury has gotten here, we have gotten better every year, and now is the year. We have a young group of core guys that have been through a lot, all the ups and downs, and we know the opportunity is here. We have to rise to the occasion. End quotes. A lot of expectation, and that's just not us talking. That's the expectation in that locker room that, hey, for us that have been here for three years, we've kind of grown up within this offense, this defense with Kingsbury and Vance Joseph, and all of a sudden you would hope that this is the year that everything kind of gets put together because if it doesn't, uh, there's no telling what happens in the offseason in 2022. Couldn't agree more. I mean, in in – I think they have a good staff. I mean, uh, I, I really like the staff and not drinking the Kool-Aid. I don't have coffee or I don't go out and, and with these coaches, I'm, but I cover the team and I try to get as much feedback as I can. So um, clearly it's on the head coach to get this team in the postseason, but ultimately I don't think Vance gets enough credit and the defense should be vastly improved. Now it's a matter of those guys coming together because you are adding some new faces. Offensively, you're adding Hudson. A.J. Green and Rondell Moore for the most part. So the offense should hope, should be able to carry their water early on, but defensively we know it's going to be difficult in that first couple weeks of the season just based on the opponents. Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. One other quick note on the wide receivers as far as some of the other names, and you brought up a couple as far as guys that are back. The A.J. Richardson, JoJo Ward, Isaac Whitney, all three of those were on the practice squad last season. Richardson actually ended the year on practice squad injured reserve. He's six feet tall, Whitney 6'2", Ward 5'9". There is a reason why those players are still here and as far as the development is concerned. So keep an eye on Richardson, Ward, and Whitney. And then some of the newcomers, in addition to an A.J. Green and Rondell Moore, there's Andre Bocelli, Rico Gafford, and Antoine Wesley. Bocelli spent training camp in 2020 with the Chiefs and Patriots. He had signed with the Chiefs as an undrafted rookie free agent. He's 5'10". Gafford also 5'10". He's got... Eight games over three seasons in his career, all with the Raiders. And then Wesley, six foot four. And I think there's uh, something to be said about why he was added late in the offseason while he played for Kingsbury at Texas Tech, was an All American in 2018, has not played in an NFL game because there was time spent on the practice squad and then a season on injured reserve. And Wesley does have the height, the six foot four, like an A.J. Green, and someone, if you're looking for size as an outside receiver to potentially be the backup at either left side, right side, as far as D-Hop and Green are concerned, potentially Wesley could be that surprise if he's able to show it in training camp and preseason. Yeah, and I think his stiffest competition is going to be Keyshawn Johnson. You know what's interesting? We never talk about who's backing up Hopkins. <laughs> we just go, okay, he's going to play 65 snaps. And Jerry, you know, I, mean, I didn't look at his snap count. I know he wasn't on the field all the time, but you're right. It's There is... There is no they'll, one behind D Hop. They'll have a depth chart. Yes, and then, but I think Wesley—that's on paper only. Yeah, though. exactly. I think Wesley it will be competing, you know, with with Keyshawn. I think Keyshawn would have the advantage there. But yeah, they'll put out a depth chart, and you know, they'll list a couple guys behind them, and it, usually it's guys with size, just because that's the nature uh, the nature of that position. It is fascinating because, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, he's an every-down wide receiver. You don't really hear that term. But there are some times when you do see number 10 on the sideline and the first reaction is, what are you doing? It's like, you know, back in the day, let's reference Larry Fitzgerald one last time here on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2. When, whenever number 11 was not on the field, the question is, like, well, why is your best player, best skilled player, not on the football field? And you can say the same thing about DeAndre Hopkins. Now, sometimes down in distance, you know, if you're a goal line situation or you want a heavy package out there or maybe it's more of a run play, then, yeah, you pull those outside receivers off the field. But, um, yeah, more times than not, 
it's going to be a rare sighting to see D-Hop on the sideline. Yeah, and there's times when maybe when they're they're up-tempo offense and Kyler's trying to throw a deep ball to him, there's times when he he basically points and gets somebody else. Checks himself out. Because, I mean, you're asking him to run back to the huddle and then he's running a 40-yard you know, go route or post pattern, but he doesn't do that a lot though. It's just he wants to make sure his legs are fresh, whether it's the first, second, third, or fourth quarter. But there are times he'll take himself out, and it's and you could see on the sidelines they're aware of it. He doesn't do it a lot of times, but there are times when he runs these long routes and he's got to catch his breath coming back because when they go up tempo, it's not like they snap the ball at twenty seven seconds, but they kind of wait to see what the defense is going to do. But you're now you're standing there versus running again, so. Um, yeah, normally he plays the majority of the game, and I don't know if he gets credit enough for how physical he can be because he's hard to bring down, and I think teams learn that after that first month of the season when he was breaking those ankle tackles running down the sidelines. Overall, this wide receiver position group has much improved on paper. I'm very bullish about what A.J. Green has the potential to do. I'm very excited to see that as far as what might happen because you have D-Hop on the other side. And then it's Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore. Those are your four wide receivers, and everyone else is going to be left fighting to be you know, the fifth or sixth, seventh, and then you know, can you play special teams? Because if you're active on game day as that fifth or sixth wide receiver, well, you're going to play on special teams. So that is kind of the wrinkle in all of this because guys might be great receivers, but they're just not quite in that top four. So what else can you provide for for us as a team and special teams is the answer so that's why sometimes with the running back position Jonathan Ward is active because he can play special teams do we see someone else now in that wide receiver room that we don't talk a lot about become that guy that is always active because yes they can catch the ball but they're also important on special teams whether that's the return game or on kickoff coverage. Well, I mean, Trent Sherfield was one of their better gunners, and you know, obviously the Cardinals did not tender him, and, and, and maybe he was promised. And I think he was that he'll get a chance to play wide receiver. So he was the fourth or fifth receiver, and I I don't know if Keyshawn Johnson can handle that. And if you're Rondell Moore, you're more going to be involved. Now he could be on the punt team as a gunner, but really, um, kick return and punt return and then obviously getting a chance to play wide receiver. So it'd be interesting to see who their gunners are. You want to get some fast guys out there that can cover punts down the field, and I think they have plenty of the guys on the roster. And that's where the Marco Wilsons would come in, or Tay Gowans, if they make – I think Wilson probably has an edge just based on he can play both inside and outside. You, you want a guy like that on special teams to cover kicks and punts. 12 receivers on the roster, and there is going to be battles, maybe not on the top half, but certainly on that bottom half as far as how many receivers are kept on the 53-man roster. So it's going to be fun to see as training camp fast approaches. And, of course, we didn't have it last year, but preseason games might be the telling sign as far as which of these receivers actually makes the team outside of D-Hop, Green, Moore, and Christian Kirk. On that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals as we continue our position-by-position breakdown leading us to training camp. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almohandro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.